0: Section Thirty Three of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part Thirty Three. Of the street sale of sweet stuff, in this sale there are now engaged, as one of the most intelligent of the class, calculated, two hundred individuals, exclusive of twenty or thirty Jew boys the majority of the sellers are also the manufacturers of the articles they vend they have all been brought up to the calling their parents having been in it or having been artisans more especially bakers who have adopted it for some of the general reasons i have before assigned the non makers buy of the cheap confectioners the articles now vended do not differ materially i am informed by men who have known the street trade for forty years from those which were in demand when they began selling in the streets. A very intelligent man, who had succeeded his father and mother in the sweetstuff business, his father's drunkenness having kept them in continual poverty, showed me his apparatus and explained his mode of work. His room, which was on the second floor of a house in a busy thoroughfare, had what I have frequently noticed in the abodes of the working classes, the decency of a turn-up bedstead, it was a large apartment, the rent being three shillings and sixpence a week, unfurnished. The room was cheerful with birds, of which there were ten or twelve. A remarkably fine thrush was hopping in a large wicker cage, while linnets and bullfinches showed their quick bright eyes from smaller cages on all sides. These were not kept for sale, but for amusement, their owner being seldom able to leave his room. The father and mother of this man cleared, twenty years ago, although at that time sugar was sixpence or sevenpence the pound, from two pounds to three pounds a week by the sale of sweetstuff, half by keeping a stall, and half by supplying small shops or other stall keepers. My present informant, however, who has, not the best, but one of the best, businesses in London, makes twenty-four shillings or twenty-five shillings a week from October to May, and scarcely twelve shillings a week during the summer months when people love to buy any cool fresh fruit instead of sweet stuff the average profits of the generality of the trade do not perhaps exceed ten shillings and sixpence or twelve shillings a week take the year round they reside in all parts treacle and sugar are the groundwork of the manufacture of all kinds of sweet stuff hard bake almond toffee halfpenny lollipops black balls the cheaper bull's eyes and squibs are all made of treacle one informant sold more of treacle rock than of anything else as it was dispensed in larger halfpennyworths and no one else made it in the same way of peppermint rock and sticks he made a good quantity half a crown's worth as retailed in the streets requires four pounds of rough raw sugar at fourpence-halfpenny per pound a penny-halfpenny for cent essence of peppermint a penny-halfpenny for firing and a halfpenny for paper in all one shilling eight and a half pence calculating nothing for the labour and time expended in boiling and making it the profit on the other things was proportionate except on almond rock which does not leave twopence-halfpenny in a shilling almonds being dear brandy balls are made of sugar water peppermint and a little cinnamon rose acid which is a transparent sweet is composed of loaf sugar at sixpence halfpenny per pound coloured with cochineal the articles sold in sticks are pulled into form along a hook until they present the whitish or speckled colour desired a quarter of a stone of materials will for instance be boiled for forty minutes and then pulled a quarter of an hour until it is sufficiently crisp and will set without waste the flavoring or scent as i heard it called in the trade now most in demand is peppermint gibraltar rock and wellington pillars used to be flavored with ginger but these sweeties are exploded dr pereira in his treatise on diet enumerates as many as ten different varieties and preparations of sugar used for dietetical purposes these are one purified or refined sugar, 2. Brown or raw sugar, 3. Molasses or treacle, or fluid sugar, 4. Aqueous solutions of sugar, or syrups, 5. Boiled sugars, or the softer kinds of confectionery, 6. Sugar candy, or crystallized cane sugar, 7. Burnt sugar, or caramel, 8. Hard confectionery, 9. Licorice, 10. Preserves, the fifth and eighth varieties alone concern us here of the several preparations of boiled sugar the doctor thus speaks if a small quantity of water be added to sugar the mixture heated until the sugar dissolves and the solution boiled to drive off part of the water the tendency of the sugar to crystallize is diminished or in some cases totally destroyed to promote this effect confectioners sometimes add a small portion of cream of tartar to the solution while boiling sugar thus altered by heat and sometimes variously flavoured constitutes several preparations sold by the confectioner barley sugar and acidulated drops are prepared in this way from white sugar powdered tartaric acid being added to the sugar while soft hard bake and toffee are made by a similar process from brown sugar toffee differs from hard bake from containing butter the ornamented sugar pieces or caramel tops with which pastry cooks decorate their tarts and so on are prepared in the same way if the boiled and yet soft sugar be rapidly and repeatedly extended and pulled over a hook it becomes opaque and white and then constitutes pulled sugar or pennies. pulled sugar variously flavoured and coloured is sold in several forms by the preparers of hard confectionery. Concerning this hard confectionery, Dr. Pereira says, sugar constitutes the base of an almost innumerable variety of hard confectionery, sold under the names of lozenges, brilliants, pipe, rock, comfits, non pares, and so on. Besides sugar, these preparations contain some flavoring ingredient, as well as flour or gum, to give them cohesiveness. And frequently colouring matter caraway fruits, almonds, and pine seeds constitute the nuclei of some of these preparations. One of the appliances of the street sweetstuff trade, which I saw in the room of the cellar before mentioned, was acts of parliament. A pile of these, a foot or more deep, lay on a shelf. They are used to wrap up the rock and so on sold. The sweetstuff maker, I never heard them called confectioners bought his paper of the stationer's or at the old bookshops sometimes he said he got works in this way in sheets which had never been cut some he feared were stolen and which he retained to read at his short intervals of leisure and then used to wrap his goods in in this way he had read through two histories of england he maintained a wife two young children and a young sister who could attend to the store his wife assisted him in his manufactures. He used one hundredweight of sugar a week on the year's average, half a hundredweight of treacle, and five ounces of cents, each eightpence an ounce. The man who has the best trade in London streets is one who, about two years ago, introduced, after much study, I was told, short sentences into his sticks. He boasts of his secret— When snapped asunder in any part, the stick presents a sort of coloured inscription. The four I saw were, Do You Love Me? The next was of less touching character, Do You Love sprats?" The others were, Lord Mayor's Day and Sir Robert Peel. This man's profits are twice those of my respectable informants. Of the customers of the Sweet Stuff Street Sellers, Another sweet man, originally a baker, but who, for a fortnight before I saw him, had been attending upon an old gentleman disabled from an accident, gave me the following account of his customers. What I heard from the other street-sellers satisfies me of the correctness of the statement. It will be seen that he was possessed of some humour and observation. Boys and girls are my best customers, sir, and mostly the smallest of them. But then again, some of them was fifty. Ay, turned fifty. Law, love you. An old fellow that hasn't a stump of a tooth in front. Why, he'll stop and buy a haporth of hardbake, and he'll say, I've a deal of the boy left about me still. He doesn't show it anyhow in his look. I'm sometimes a-thinking. I'll introduce a softer sort of toffee, boiled treacle, such as they call Tom Trot in some parts. But it's out of fashion now, just for old people that's boys still. "'It was rolled in a halfpenny stick, sir, and sold stunning. "'The old ones wants something to suck and not to chew. "'Why, when I was a lad at school, "'there was Jews used to go out about with boxes on their backs, "'offering rings and pencil cases, "'and lots of things that's no real use to nobody. "'And they told everybody they asked to buy "'that they sold everything, and us boys used to say, "'Then give us a heap of boiled treacle.' "'It was a regular joke.' "'I wish I'd stuck more to my book then, "'but what can't be cured must be endured, you know. "'Now, those poor things that walks down there... "'Note, intimating by a motion of the head, "'a thoroughfare frequented by girls of the town. "'End note. "'They're often customers, "'but not near so good as they was ten years ago. "'No, indeed, no. six or eight year. "'They like something that bites in the mouth, "'such as peppermint rock or ginger drops.' They used to buy a penneth or two, and offer it to people, but they don't now, I think. I've trusted them halfpennies and pennies sometimes. They always paid me. Some that held their heads high like, might say, I really have no change, I'll pay you tomorrow. She hadn't no change, poor lass, sure enough. And she hadn't nothing to change either. I'll go bail. I've known women that seemed working men's or little shopkeeper's wives buy of me and ask which of my stuffs took greatest hold of the breath, I always knew what they was up to. They'd been having a drop and didn't want it to be detected. Why it was only last Saturday week. two niceish-looking and niceish dressed women comes up to me, and one was going to buy peppermint rock, and the other says to her, "Don't you fool? You'll only think you've been drinking gin and peppermint. Coffee takes it off best, so I lost my customers." They hadn't had a single drain that night, I'll go bail, but still they didn't look like regular Lushingtons at all. I make farthingsworths of sweet stuff for children, but I don't like it, it's an injury to trade. I was afraid that when half-farthings was coined, they'd come among children, and they'd want half a farthing of brandy balls. Now, talking of brandy balls, there's a gentleman that sometimes has a minute's chat with me, as he buys a penneth to take home to his children every reasonable man ought to marry and have children for the sake of the sweet trade but it ain't the women's fault that men is single still when one gentleman i know buys brandy balls he says quite grave what kind of brandy do you put in them not a drop of british says i i can assure you not a single drop he's not finely dressed indeed he's a little seedy but i know he's a gentleman or what's the same thing if he ain't rich for a common fellow'll never have his boots polished that way every day of his life his blacking bills must come heavy at christmas i can tell a gentleman too by his way of talk cause he's never bumptious it's the working people's children that's my great support and they was a better support by two shillings in every ten shillings and more when times was better and next to them among my patrons is poor people perhaps this last year i've cleared eleven shillings a week not more all through I make my own stuffs except the drops, and they require machinery. I would get out of the streets if I could. Another of these traders told me that he took more in farthings than in halfpennies or pennies. Calculating two hundred sweet-stuff sellers, each clearing ten shillings weekly, the outlay in rocks, candies, hard-bakes, and so on in the streets is five thousand two hundred pounds yearly, or nearly two and a half millions of half penny worths to start in the sweet-stuff business requires a capital of thirty-five shillings including a saucepan in which to boil sugar two shillings weights and scales four shillings stock money average four shillings and barrow twenty-five shillings if the seller be not his own manufacturer then a tray one shilling and ninepence and stock money one shilling and sixpence or three shillings and threepence in all will be sufficient of the street-sellers of cough-drops and of medical confectionery mr stratt in his sports and pastimes of the people of england 1800 says of the mountebank, bank it is uncertain at what period this vagrant dealer in physic made his appearance in england it is clear however that he figured away with much success in this country during the last two centuries The mountebanks usually preface the vending of their medicines with pompous orations, in which they pay as little regard to truth as to propriety. I am informed by a gentleman observant of the matter, that within his knowledge, which extends to the commencement of the present century, no mountebank proper had appeared in the streets of London proclaiming the virtues of his medicines, neither with nor without his fool. The last seen by my informant, Perhaps the latest mountebank in England was about twenty years ago in the vicinity of Yarmouth. He was selling cough drops and infallible cures for asthma, and was dressed in a periwig and an embroidered coat, with ruffles at his wrist, a sword to his side, and was a representation in shabby genteel of the fine gentleman of the reign of Queen Anne. The mountebank's most legitimate successor in the street cajolery of London as regards his orations, is the patterer, as I shall show in my account of the street trade in stationary literature. His successor in the vending of curative confectionaries, and, in a small degree, of nostrums, salves, ointments, and so on, are the sellers of cough-drops, and whorehound candy, and of the corn-salves, and cures for bruises, sprains, burns, and so on, and so on, and so on. The street-traders in cough-drops and their accompaniments, however, do not now exceed six, and of them only two, who are near relatives, manufacture their own stock in trade. I here treat of the street-trade in cough-drops as a branch of the itinerant sweetstuff trade, the mountebank part of the business, that is to say, the prefacing of the vending of the medicines with pompous orations. I shall reserve till its proper place." namely, the pattering part of the street trade, of which an account will be given in the next chapter. The two principal vendors of cough-drops wheel their stalls, which are fixed upon barrows, to different parts of town, but one principal stand is in Hoban. On their boards are displayed the cough-cures, both in the form of sticks and drops, and a model of a small distillery. The portion enclosing the still is painted to resemble brickwork and a tin tube or worm appears to carry the distillation to a receiver hoarhound coltsfoot and some other herbs lie in a dried state on the stool but principally hoarhound to which popular street opinion seems to attach the most and the greatest virtues there are also on the stools a few bottles tied up in the way they are dispensed from a regular practitioner while the cough drops are in the form of sticks a halfpenny each also neatly wrapped in paper the cry is both expressive and simply descriptive long life candy candy from herbs from the most experienced person in this curious trade i had the following statement he entertained a full assurance as far as i could perceive of the excellence of his remedies and of the high art and mystery of his calling in persons of his class professing to heal no matter in what capacity or what may be the disease this is an important element of success my informant whether answering my questions or speaking of his own accord always took time to consider and sometimes as will be seen declined replying to my inquiries from him i received the following account the cough drop and herb trade is nothing now to what it was long ago thirty or forty years ago it was as good as three pounds or four pounds a week to a person and was carried on by respectable men i know nothing of any humbugs in the respectable part of the trade what's done by those who are ignorant and not respectable is nothing to me i don't know how many there were in the trade thirty or forty years ago but i know that ten or eleven years since i supplied seven persons who sold cough drops and such like in the streets and now i supply only myself and another I sell only four or five months in the year, the cold months in course, for in the summer people are not so subject to coughs and colds. I am the original maker of my goods. I will cure any child of the whooping cough, and very speedily. I defy any medical man to dispute it, and I'll do it. No cure, no pay. I never profess to cure asthma. Nobody but a gravedigger can put an end to that there. But I can relieve it. It's the same with consumption. It may be relieved but the gravedigger is the only man as can put a stop to it. Many have tried to do it, but they've all failed. I sell to very respectable people, and to educated people too, and what's more, a good deal of cough drops to medical men. In course, they can analyse it if they please. They can taste the bitter and judge for themselves, just as they can taste wine in the docks. Perhaps the wives of mechanics are among my best customers. They are the most numerous, but they buy only haperths and penneths. Very likely they would think more of the remedy if they had to pay thirteen and a half pence for it, instead of the penny hapenny. The government stamp makes many a stuff sell. Oh, I know nothing about quackery. You must inquire at the stamp office, if you want to know about them kind of medicines. They're the people that help to sell them. Respectable people will pay me one shilling or two shillings at a time, and those who buy once, buy again i'm sent to from as far off as woolwich i'll undertake to cure or afford relief in coughs colds or wind in the chest or forfeit a shilling i can dispel wind in two minutes i sell bottles too for those cures as well as the candy from herbs i manufacture them myself they're decoctions of herbs and the way to prepare them is my secret i sell them at from tuppence to a shilling why i use one article that costs twenty four shillings a pound foreign and twice that English. I've sold hundredweights. The decoctions are my secret. I will instruct any person, and have instructed a good many, when I'm paid for it. In course, it would never do to publish it in your work, for thousands would then learn it for tuppence. My secret was never given to any person, only with what you may call a fee, except one, and only to him when he got married and started in the line. He's a connection of mine all we sell is genuine i sell herbs too but it's not a street sale i supply them to orders from my connection it's not a large trade i sell horehound for tea or decoctions coltsfoot for smoking as herb tobacco i gather the coltsfoot myself but buy the horehound of a shopkeeper as it's cultivated ground ivy is sold only for the blood but little of it hyssop for wind and irish moss for consumption I'm never asked for anything improper. They won't ask me for blank or blank. And I'm never asked for washes or cosmetics, but a few nettles are ordered of me for complexions. Well, sir, I'd rather not state the quantities I sell, or my profits, or prices. I make what keeps myself, my wife, and seven children, and that's all I need say about it. I'd rather say no more on that part of the business, and so I'm sure you won't press me. I don't know what others in the trade make. They buy of confectioners and are only imitators of me. They buy Coltsfoot candy and such like. How it's made so cheap, I don't know. In the summer, I give up cough-drop selling and take to goldfish. I am told that the cough-drop makers, who are also street sellers, prepare their sticks and so on, much in the same method as the manufacturers of the ordinary sweet stuff, which I have described, using the decoction generally of horehound or Coltsfoot, as the scents are used in the old times it would appear that the preparation of a medicinal confection was a much more elaborate matter if we may judge by the following extract from an obsolete medical work treating of the matter the author styles such preparations lochochs which is an arabic word he says and signifies a thing to be licked it would appear that the lochoch was not so hard as the present cough drop the following is one of the receipts used generally against diseases in the breast and lungs lochuch de farfara the lochuch of coltsfoot take of coltsfoot roots cleansed eight ounces marshmallow roots four ounces boil them in a sufficient quantity of water and press the pulp through a sieve dissolve it again in the decoction and let it boil once or twice then take it from the fire and add two pounds of white sugar, honey of raisins, fourteen ounces, juice of licorice, two and a half drachms. Stir them well with a wooden pestle, sprinkling in of saffron and cloves in powder, of each one scruple, cinnamon and mace, of each two scruples. Make them into a loch according to art. It is good for a cough and roughness of the windpipe. Without wishing to infringe upon professional secrets, I may mention that the earnings of the principal man in the trade may be taken at 30 shillings a week for 20 weeks, that of another at 15 shillings for the same period, and those of the remaining four at 5 shillings each weekly. But the latter sell acid drops and other things bought of the chemists. Allowing the usual cent per cent, we then find 130 pounds expended by street buyers on cough drops. The best cough drop stall seen in the streets is a kind of barrow which can be shut up like a piano. It costs three pounds ten shillings, complete with the distilling apparatus before described. Scales and weights cost five shillings, and the stock money for the supply of such a stall need not exceed ten shillings, or in all about four pounds ten shillings. For an ordinary trade, ready-made articles forming the stock, the capital would be Stall and Trestle seven shillings scale and weights, which are not always used, three shillings and sixpence, and stock money, two shillings and sixpence, in all, thirteen shillings. Of the Street Sellers of Ices and of Ice Creams I have already treated of the street luxury of pineapples, and have now to deal with the greater street rarity of ice creams. A quick-witted street seller, but not in the provision line, conversing with me upon this subject, said, "'Ice is in the streets, aye, and there'll be jellies next, and then Mock Turtle, and then the real ticket, sir. Are... I don't know nothing of the difference between the real thing and the mock, but I once had some cheap mock in an eating-house, and it tasted like stewed tripe with a little glue. You'll keep your eyes open, sir, at the great exhibition, and you'll see a new move or two in the streets, take my word for it. Penny glasses of champagne, I shouldn't wonder.' notwithstanding the sanguine anticipations of my street friend the sale of ices in the streets has not been such as to offer any great encouragement to a perseverance in the traffic the sale of ice creams was unknown in the streets until last summer and was first introduced as a matter of speculation by a man who was acquainted with the confectionery business and who purchased his ices of a confectioner in holborn he resold these luxuries daily to street sellers sometimes to twenty of them but more frequently to twelve the sale however was not remunerative and had it not been generally united with other things such as ginger-beer could not have been carried on as a means of subsistence the supplier of the street traders sometimes went himself and sometimes sent another to sell ice-cream in greenwich park on fine summer days but the sale was sometimes insufficient to pay his railway expenses After three or four weeks' trial, this man abandoned the trade and soon afterwards emigrated to America. Not many weeks subsequent to the first start, I was informed, the trade was entered into by a street seller in Petticoat Lane, who had become possessed, it was said, of master's freezing apparatus. He did not vend the ices himself for more than two or three weeks, and moreover confined his sale to Sunday mornings after a while he employed himself for a short time in making ices for four or five street-sellers some of whom looked upon the preparation as a wonderful discovery of his own and he then discontinued the trade there were many difficulties attending the introduction of ices into street traffic the buyers had but a confused notion how the ice was to be swallowed the trade therefore spread only very gradually but some of the more enterprising sellers purchased stale ices from the confectioners so little however were the street people skilled in the trade that a confectioner told me they sometimes offered ice to their customers in the streets and could supply only water ices were sold by the street vendors generally at a penny each and the trade left them a profit of fourpence in one shilling when they served them without waste, and some of the sellers contrived, by giving smaller modicums, to enhance the fourpence into fivepence. The profit, however, was sometimes what is expressively called nil. Cent per cent, the favourite and simple rate known in the streets as half-profits, was rarely attained. From a street dealer I received the following account. Yes, sir, I mind very well the first time as I ever sold ices, I don't think they'll ever take greatly in the streets but there's no saying lord how i've seen the people splutter when they've tasted them for the first time i did as much myself they get among the teeth and make you feel as if you tooth ached all over i sold mostly strawberry ices i haven't an idea how they're made but it's a most wonderful thing in summer freezing fruits in that way one young irish fellow I think from his look and cap he was a printer's or stationer's boy. He bought an ice of me, and when he had scraped it all together with the spoon, he made a pull at it as if he was a drinking beer. In course it was all among his teeth in less than no time, and he stood like a statty for an instant, and then he roared out, "'Jesus, I'm killed! The cold shivers is on to me!' But I said, "'Oh, you're all right, you are,' and he says, what do you mean, you horrid horn, by selling such stuff as that? And you must have the money first, bad scran to the likes of you. Footnote. I inquired as to what was meant by the reproachful appellation horrid horn, and my informant declared that, to the best of his hearing, those were the words used, but doubtless the word was horn," signifying in the erse tongue a half-witted fellow, my informant had often sold fruit to the same lad and said he had little of the brogue or of old irish words unless his temper was riz and then it came out powerful End footnote. the persons what enjoyed their ices most the man went on was i think servant maids that gulped them on the sly perhaps they had been used some on em to get a taste of ices on the sly before in their services we sees a many dodges in the streets sir uh, a many I KNEW ONE SMART SERVANT MAID, TREATED TO AN ICE BY A YOUNG MAN, THEY SEEMED AS IF THEY WERE KEEPING COMPANY, AND HE SOON WAS STAMPING WITH THE ICE AMONG HIS TEETH, BUT SHE KNEW HOW TO TAKE HERN, PUT THE SPOON RIGHT INTO THE MIDDLE OF HER MOUTH, AND WHEN SHE'D HAD A CLEAN SWALLOW, SHE SAYS, OH, JOSEPH, WHY DIDN'T YOU ASK ME TO TELL YOU HOW TO EAT YOUR ICE? THE CONCEIT OF SERVANT GIRLS IS RIDICULOUS, DON'T YOU THINK SO, SIR, BUT IT GOES OUT OF THEM WHEN THEY GET MARRIED, AND HAS TO THINK OF HOW TO GET BROTH before how to eat ices one hot day about eleven a thin tall gentleman not very young threw down a penny to me and says says he as much ice as you can make for that he knew how to take it when he had done he says says he by g my good fellow you've saved my life i've been keeping it up all night and i was dying of a burnt-up throat after a snooze and had only a penny so sick and hot was my stomach i could have knelt down and taken a pull at the thames "'we was near it at the time. "'You've saved my life, and I'll see you again. "'But I've never seen him since. "'He was a gentleman, I think. "'He was in black, and wore a big black and gold ring. "'Only one. "'The rest of my customers for ices "'was people that bought out of curiosity, "'and there was gentlemen's servants among them, "'very little fellows, some of them, "'and doctors' boys, "'and mechanics, as was young and seemed of a smartish sort, "'and boys that seemed like schoolboys, "'and a few women of the town.' but mine's not much of a pitch for them from the information i obtained i may state that if the sale of street ices be calculated at twenty persons taking not earning one shilling and sixpence daily for four weeks it is as near the mark as possible this gives an expenditure of forty two pounds in street ices with a profit to the vendors of from ten to twenty five per cent i am told that an unsuccessful start has characterized other street trades rhubarb for instance both in the streets and markets which have been afterwards successful and remunerative for capital in the ice trade a small sum was necessary as the vendors had all stalls and sold other commodities except the original street ice man who was not a regular street trader but a speculator A jar, in which the ices were neither sufficiently covered nor kept cooled, though it was often placed in a vessel or cooler containing cold water, cost one shilling, three cups, threepence, or three glasses, one shilling, and three spoons, threepence, with two shillings stock money. The total is, presuming glasses were used, four shillings, or, with a vessel for water, five shillings. End of section 33